Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious I'm about. Curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationship. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant and subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships can evolve with people evolve as they grow and, grow and change? Welcome to the Curious Fox podcast. For those challenging the status quo in love, sex, and relationships. My name is Effie Blue. And I'm Jacqueline Misla. And today is another Halloween special. (laughs) (laughs) We put out a call to action for Scary Relationship House of Horror Stories and you delivered. Back in episode 89, we got creative and we turned our relationship fears into physical rooms within our personal houses of horror. And this year, in episode 173, we invited you, our amazing listeners, to do the same. So today, we're going to share listener stories, as well as two personal stories that reflect the current fears that we are navigating in our own relationships. Now, you may know this, Effie Blue, but this is my favorite time of year. Do I know it? (laughs) Yeah, I think I like Halloween over all the other holidays. I think I'm going to put a stake in the ground and say that over Christmas, over New Year, over Thanksgiving. Wow. Officially, it's me about it if you don't agree. Yeah, that's an official decree. Halloween is better. That's the (laughs) one for me. Better than all. It's funny because Halloween is, to me, Halloween is very American. Mm -hmm. Like, because, like, what US does is, the U.S. is very good at exporting its culture through mm-hmm. Hollywood, through media. And when I think of Halloween, I think of Hollywood movies, like B-movies or like horror stories all around mm-hmm. Halloween. And like the, all the imagery of trick-or-treating and pumpkins and gore and costumes are, are all very American to me. My exposure to them have always been through TV or, or content until I moved to this country um, mm-hmm. 12 years ago. And then I was like, oh, it is real. It is a thing. Like, people go all out. It's not just in the movie. It's not just in the movie. Like, the houses get decorated. People mm-hmm. get decorated. Kids are all into it. It is a mm-hmm. big deal. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, true. not a big deal in Europe at all. And that's changing, of course, because U.S. is very good at exporting mm-hmm. its culture. Mm-hmm. And it has some roots in medieval Europe. You know, it, mm-hmm. it comes from pagans it comes from the hallows eve and it you know we did a whole episode on how it got you know turned into what it is today yeah listen to episode 189 if you want to hear effie go through the history of how we went from that to where we are right now yeah like dancing in the in the woods Mm -hmm. to what we have right now but in my mind even though i know the history is it's a it's a very american thing Mm -hmm. and at first it was like an exaggeration like a tv thing and then when i moved here i was like nope Nope. These people (laughs) love Halloween. And among all of them, you love it the best. I know. I know. I've been trying to think about why. I think part of it, well, I was going to say part of it feels like maybe because it's not as you know, wrapped up in consumerism, but clearly that's not true because we're buying all of our costumes, but it doesn't involve gifts. I guess it involves candy, even though now even they're not supposed to be gifts, but there are now these things called boo baskets. I don't know if you're seeing this all over your TikTok. 
But I know that my daughter came home one day and was expecting that she was going to get a boo basket, which she is not. And that her friends, she got her friends. It's essentially just going out and buying Halloween related little things and putting it in a basket and calling it a product. Because again, we're really good at that here in the States, taking everything and making it capitalistic. But what I do actually love about Halloween is how creative it is. Like every year we each get a budget. And it's normally like a budget of like, I don't know, $40 or something like that. We can get some of the supplies and then we make our costumes. So this weekend we were hot gluing and painting and putting things together. So I love how creative it is. And it just feels like an invitation to pretend, like Mm. to play. Like I continue to dress up every single year as a grown ass person. And it just lets me play. I don't know. I love it. Dan Savage calls it um, straight pride. (laughs) Yeah. So that's like his thing. He just calls it straight pride. It's because for pride, we all get to, you know, be in mm-hmm. costumes and be happy and like dance mm-hmm. around the streets or being, you know, weird and wonderful. Yeah. And, and, and straight people don't have that. So Dan Savage says it's what it's what Halloween is for, for straight people. Got it. And that's oh. that inspires in all the sexy versions of outfits, yes, right? Sexy nun, sexy bus driver. There's that meme going around. Um, yes. Did you see that meme? It was like sexy, weirdest one, like weirdest thing. I know. We'll have to put that as a story on our Instagram. That's pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. So I, I love that piece of it. What's interesting though, is that I do not like anything scary. <laughs> so I like, I like Halloween itself, but I don't like to be scary. And none of my costumes historically have been scary. I have been like 1950s poodle skirt teenager. I've been like hobo clown. <laughs> I've been Wonder scary. Woman. Yeah. I've been like all sorts of things, but none of them. Well, yeah, true. Clowns can be scary. Hobo clowns in particular. But no, nothing really like bloody or anything like that, which my daughter every year tries to like get me to do it. But I'm just, I don't like watching scary movies. I don't like jump scares. I don't like, you know, even even my partner when she was playing The Last of Us. I don't know if you've seen it. It's like, you know, mushroom zombies. I have to leave the room. Like I I tell her I need to protect my spirit. Like I can't be exposed to that. I just, I do not like being scared. No, I hear you. I hear you. I don't like being scared as well, but I'm very particular about what scares me. Like mm. things like ghosts and things don't scare me. I guess the supernatural doesn't scare me. I think what scares me is like human on human mm. fright. Like, I'm really mm. not good at watching like cruelty, torture yes. porn, yes. that kind of gore. I, I don't love gore. Mm-hmm. So like Same. those things I can't watch and I don't I don't want I don't want to admit. It's even some psychological thrillers, like mm-hmm. I think it's like when humanity like I think what scares me the most is knowing that even though knowing that these stories are just stories, that they come out of a human's mind. Yes. And I'm scared that it, even though if it's not real, that it's some, it's deep in someone's psyche. Yes. That thought, that scene, that yes. picture exists. Yes. And they're creating as a piece of art, which I respect. But that, the fact that that exists is what scares me. Like humanity scares me. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think with Halloween, it's like, it's like, all out there you see people's like darkest imaginations like it yeah. come, in, come into like artistic expression i'm like oh 
I'm scared of my fellow humans. Yeah. Which, and I love, again, love your creativity, love the storytelling, love all that stuff, but just like the scariness. Like I'm not, I'm not going to go into an actual haunted house. That is not a thing I'm going to do. I'm not going to go into an actual house of horrors. No, thank you. I'm going to be outside in my clown hobo outfit. (laughs) (laughs) Trick or treating with the children. That is what I'm going to be doing. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, okay. Let's just talk about fear for a second, right? Let's, okay. let's, let's just, you know, do a bit of a, a bit of learning like we like be doing. Let's just talk about fear for a minute. So fear is an interesting emotion. It's a primal emotion that arises when someone or something is perceived to be dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. So it's very mm-hmm. specific. And it's a bit like disgust, right? It's like, it's an evolutionary adaptive emotion to keep us safe, mm-hmm. right? So disgust is, is actually in place because we, we don't want to eat things um, that aren't bad for us. So often the things that we think of are disgusting are things that are bad for us. Are they're like off food or, mm. you know, things that we would, we don't want to eat. We don't want to be near and it keeps mm-hmm. us safe. And, and, and fear is very much like that. It's like we're alive because there's a system, there's a, a function in our system that says, don't do this because mm-hmm. you will die. Right. It's dangerous. So it's actually very real and it's a very adaptive. Almost all fears are learned. Some of them were learned by our ancestors. Like, many, 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 many years ago. And that, that fear is actually being passed down from, you know, generation to generation through evolution in our genes. And some fears we're learning here and now firsthand through experiences and, and development. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a super important emotion. And we also know there are like three types of fears. So there's like rational fears. So mm-hmm. things that occur that are real imminent and like someone yielding a knife at you, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm the house is on fire and you're afraid that you're going to get out of there. Like that is a rational fear. That's good. It's going to keep us alive. Mm-hmm. And then there is primal fear. So that's the fears that have been passed through our ancestors, right? That is things like they're like innate fears that are programmed into our brains, like fear of darkness or creepy crawlies. Mm. Like we don't really know why we're afraid, even though when we are like safe in our homes, the door is locked. We know like, Everyone's mm. in place. We turned mm-hmm. that light off, mm-hmm. and then we flash of fear. And then you're it's like, oh. you like run down the hall to the bathroom. Right. Or to right. your- yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's that's like that's a primal fear. It's because we died in the dark, right? Mm. Most people, most of our ancestors died in the dark. That's when we couldn't see. We were we were hunted. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have great eyesight as humans at, at night. So that's when it was, you know, that's when we were most vulnerable. And then irrational fears, right? And those are like what we would call phobias, mm-hmm. for example. And mm-hmm. they don't really make logical sense. Like there's like a one part of your brain that is afraid and the other part of your brain is kind of looking at that half going, what? Why mm-hmm. are you afraid of that? Right? Yeah. And that's kind of a phobia. Yeah, yeah. My daughter has, she's has a fear of being thrown up on, which mm-hmm. is, again, right. Which she understands is like, very unlikely it's never happened to her but it is very unlikely thing but she really is like she can't like watch you know a movie or a show where someone is throwing up like there's just this fear of vomit and vomiting and being vomited on Mm. that like really makes her feel scared like our dog for example can get car sick Mm. and so if we're on a long trip and she's in the back of the car like at some point my daughter will just like start crying because she's Mm. like so afraid that the dog is going to throw up near her or whatever so then you know we have to deal with that but yeah yeah yeah. and she knows to your point she's like i don't know this doesn't make sense to me (laughs) i am afraid of it yeah 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 i know fair i mean fair i think it's just good to know just good to know like 
just to be able to sort of put things in in buckets to then have an understanding and insight, right? So mm-hmm. those are kind of the three types of fears. There are also some repetitive, um, common like five common fears that are somewhat universal, like Mm -hmm. the the part of the human, very much part of the human experience. I want to go through them and I want to kind of, most of them show up in our relationships. I want to actually also talk about them in the context of relationships. This is, this is because it's what we always talk about. The first one is fear of abandonment, which is actually a very universal experience. Mm -hmm. Pretty much all humans feel it, some more than others. And I think it's probably the most potent fear that we have in relationships so that somebody's going to leave us that mm-hmm. our partner is going to leave us we'll be all alone we'll be all alone yeah. exactly exactly and it comes from uh, it comes from the fact that we are born i say this on the i say this on the show all the time if humans are born 100% dependent with zero boundaries we know that when we're born that for us to survive for us to survive we need to be taken care of that is the only way that we can survive so idea of being abandoned mm. it equates to to death so we are all on some level experience a fear of abandonment. The other one is actually a very real fear of loss of identity. Mm. And that is, has a, a, like a feeling of engulfment within the relationship that we feel that, that either I'm nobody without this relationship or I don't get to be who I am in this relationship. Mm. Like I'm mold into the relationship and there is no part of me that's separate, separate and individual that I can identify with mm. and feel whole. So that's a real, and, and it's, it's also called like fear of engulfment within the relationship. Mm-hmm. The other one is loss of meaning, like fearing, fearing a loss of meaning. Mm. And I think within the context of our relationships, it means like, our relationship doesn't mean anything to you. Mm. The relationship or I don't have value. I think that's mm-hmm. how it manifests in relationships. Mm-hmm. The other one is loss of purpose, right? Mm. And I think that within the context of a relationship manifests as like what I do doesn't matter. Yeah. And that you're kind of, you know, you don't you don't serve any purpose within the relationship. You're not needed, right? Mm. We, you know, who are like I need to be needed I want to be needed it gives them self assurance mm-hmm. and I think a loss of purpose is, is works around that like I, I I'm not going to be needed I'm not going to have any use mm-hmm. I'm not going to be discarded right that's mm-hmm. kind of that loss of purpose and fear of death right we are all afraid mm-hmm. of death and in the context of relationship I think it really is more about um suffering be mm. going to be suffering within a relationship, right? Because yeah. the fear of death includes fear of sickness and pain, and mm. and suffering. Um, and I think it's it's the kind of fear of like if I'm I'm going to suffer in this relationship forever mm-hmm. is an irrational fear of mine, for example, that I own. So that's kind of how these like common fears. And I'm sure everybody who's listening, they can be like, oh yeah, like I get. Yeah. No, I totally, I totally can imagine and have experienced that kind of from the outside, like what those things feel like. I'm wondering what's happening on the inside then, right? So like on the outside, that makes sense to me. I can think about actual scenarios. What is happening in my brain in those moments when those things are happening, when those fears are coming up? Yeah, actually fear is so primal that what's happening in our bodies are also really primal. We sense something through our senses. So we hear something, we see something, we smell something. So one of our senses pick up something that we perceive as danger. Mm-hmm. And then our thalamus, the part of our brain, sends a signal to our amygdala, which is the primary reptile brain, which activates a survival protocol. It's kind of very simple, very archaic um, model. And then once our reptile brain is in charge, you're actually bypassing the frontal lobe, which is where reason and and sort of time and solutions live. So you're going from the thalamus straight to the amygdala and then activate protocol, like 
once the survival protocol is activated, you're going into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, right? So, and we're doing things like breathing heavier so our body gets more oxygen, our heart's beating faster, so there's more blood going into extremities so we can run. There's some like, like interesting things happen. That our limbs get weak, like our knees get weak, right? Mm. Um, and that was preparing us for us to play dead, right? The, the, the freeze mm. response. Right? So you can truly come across as, as dead, which mm-hmm. I think is super interesting. And and these are kind of the physical manifestations. We also have emotional protocols that kick in once we're afraid. And that's kind of what we call activation. And we did a, we, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, but we did a whole episode on this, episode 129. So if you're interested in that kind of the, the emotional survival protocols, I recommend that you jump onto that episode after this one. And then the other thing to mention about fear is you don't like being scared. I don't like being scared, but there are people who love being scared. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that are like binge watching horror movies. They're the ones that are like running to the top front of the line for the house of horrors. Mm -hmm. They're the ones like traveling the world, finding the scariest roller coasters and like Mm -hmm. being the first one on them at the front, the scariest part of it, whatever it is. Right. So we call those people thrill seekers. Mm -hmm. And we know that our for some people that actually feels good because you get dopamine hits with mm-hmm. when you're thrill seeking and we know that dopamine is delicious and we love it and our brains love it so um some people are actually like seeking that that experience so even though we might think those people are crazy like well crazy people um there are things we can learn from them which is especially those people who do things like extreme sports or do the roller coasters and things like that they actually push through their fear and they adapt to it, right? Yeah. They, they, it's not that they're not scared. They are scared because it is that being scared is giving them the thrill. Yeah. And how they engage with it is by exposing themselves over and over again. And through that, they adapt to the fear, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're an extreme sports athlete, you need to enjoy the fear while you stay in your body and, and move the way you need to over obstacles or whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you do that by making sure that your biology is used to the fear. Yeah. And if you're doing it really well, that you equate it with, with pleasure. Like you yeah, rewire yourself that you like, oh, that delicious dopamine hit is worth <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. And as you get better, you know that you're not going to die and your skills get better and you're in this like this awesome space. And I think there's something that we can learn about that in the, in the context of our relationships. The mm. things that scare us in our relationships, we can get away from them. But can we stay with them, stick with them, get through them? And maybe they're not so scared anymore and we can make different decisions that give us more pleasure in our relationships. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the focus for today, right, is is relationship fear mm-hmm. and not the fear of being in an abusive relationship. So if you're experiencing that kind of fear, please contact someone who can mm-hmm. offer you guidance and support. Mm-hmm. Instead, we're talking about the emotional fears that we have, you know, fearing being cheated on or abandoned or lied to or ignored or used or, you know, any of those types of things, that kind of emotional reaction that we're having. Exactly. So the thing to know is, remember, we talked about the the very simple system, thalamus, like we perceive something, our thalamus sends a, a message to the amygdala, and then we're scared, right? And we go into survival protocol. In the relationships, we can sometimes do that through seeing something that activates, seeing or hearing something that activates a story, which we then holding onto, which then activates the thalamus into the amygdala and then into our fear response. So sometimes what's scaring us is not what we perceive, mm-hmm. but the story that we're holding onto, which that, mm-hmm. that our perception activates. 
right? Mm -hmm. So there is an opportunity there to address these stories. And sometimes if we can't let go of them, and when we let go of those stories, there is no stimulus anymore, Mm -hmm. right? And then we don't go into fight or flight. And I think that's an important piece to learn here. Yeah. It reminds me of, you know, if you ever think of a joke in your head and you're like laughing and there's no external reason why you should be laughing and someone's looking at you like, what are you laughing at or what's going on? Or you start to move in your body because you're like hearing a song in your mind. Like those are physical reactions to a thing that's happening inside of your brain. And similarly, like you can think of my partner's going to cheat on me or leave me or something and physically then feel afraid. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. 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 So after all of this talk about fear and Halloween, I want to invite us all to travel together through our collective relationship, House of Horrors. Jacqueline and I will interview our stories as well, along with our followers, to explore our deepest relationship fears. Let's hope that we all make it out alive. <laughs> 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 Good evening, dear listeners. Tonight, on this special Halloween edition, we take you on a journey not of the body, but of the heart and soul. A journey through the corridors of our deepest relationship fears. So gather around your radios, dim the lights, and let your imagination take flight. Imagine, if you will, a moonlit night. The sky is clouded and the wind carries whispers of forgotten tales. As you walk down the desolate path, A silhouette of an old abandoned mansion looms ahead, its once grand facade now weathered by time and neglect. A faded sign hangs crooked by the entrance reading The Relationship House of Horrors, and curiosity tugs at you, urging you to go closer. With each step, the weight of countless stories of heartbreak and betrayal press down on you. The mansion's windows, though shattered and boarded, seem to watch you as if it's been awaiting your arrival. You reach the grand entrance. The massive wooden doors, weathered and worn, stand defiantly, and you can't help but wonder what lies beyond them. With a deep breath, you muster the courage to push through them. A gust of cold air greets you, carrying with it the faint scent of old memories and whispered secrets. And as you step inside, you realize that each room in this mansion represents a different relationship fear. From betrayal to abandonment, from deceit to indifference, each room holds a story, a lesson, a warning. Are you ready, dear listener, to explore the rooms of the relationship house of horrors, to face the fears that lurk in the shadows of our heart? Join us as we delve into the mysteries of love, trust, and the ghosts of relationship past. My personal House of Horrors begins and kind of has this thematic uh, play throughout with a beautiful facade. It's this gorgeous house it's, it's, it's all rainbows and butterflies. It's very queer and it, it, it's so inviting. Um, but when I walk in, I'm immediately greeted with a room full of masks. And some of them are horrifying and some of them are beautiful. Some of them I wanna put on, other ones I wanna run away from. 
but all of the beautiful ones, all of the ones that I try on and they and they seem to fit me, they immediately turn on me and they and they show me a side of myself that is anything but what fits in that mask. And I begin to realize that these masks are um, representing imposter syndrome, representing my insecurity in my queerness, in um, other places that I show up where I uh, may be the minority in those spaces. And I'm afraid I'm invading because I'm the white cis guy showing up. And even though I'm queer, and even though I'm supportive, and even though I'm inclusive, and even though I, I have partners of every possible gender imagination, um, I'm never convinced that I am who I actually am. And these masks are just pulling that out of me. And it's, it's, it's absolutely terrifying because um, I want to be that person. And I want to I wanna own my truest belief. And I want to shine in that. And, and truthfully, most people around me tell me I do. But these masks remind me that I'm constantly in a state of imposter syndrome. I enter a room and immediately grasp the hand of my partner, who I notice is standing next to me, looking away from me. As my eyes adjust to the lightning in the room, I notice it's covered with mirrors. I examine my reflection on each mirror, and I realize they are all distorted images of me. Some are long and thin, some are shattered, some have paintings on them that make me appear in certain outfits. I can't find a single mirror that reflects the real me back to me. Try to find myself in each mirror, but none of them is me. I look at my partner and I notice him looking at these mirrors and interacting with the certain reflections and ignoring some. I notice I cling onto his hand even more the need to feel him grows bigger in my stomach. It feels almost like compulsion. I start to try to see which reflections he likes and focus on them myself. Our connection seems to be only through these reflections that don't feel like me, but it feels like I can't let him go either. I fear needing someone in a way that's almost like an addiction where I will do anything to keep them, even though it may mean I lose a sense of who I am and do things that pleases them only. This addiction feeling is terrifying. Back in the room, I notice I've been focusing on these distortions for so long. I can't remember what I look like. I feel disconnected from myself. I don't even remember what I used to like, what used to make me, me. I notice the grip I have on my partner and how the idea of letting go feels so frightening, gives me anxiety. Biggest depression comes back to me. I can only see black now. Then, 
I take a deep breath. I close my eyes, put my hands into my heart, and I let go of his hand. It feels like jumping out of a plane. I feel the rush of panic all over my body. I let it pass knowing that it will end. I keep breathing deeply. And once I feel calm, I open my eyes. And I start smashing all the mirrors with the tiny bit of strength I find in myself. Once all the mirrors are in pieces, I start to run my hands all over my body, gently, with compassion and care. From head to toe, I scan my body. I try to remember all the curves and bends. I start to remember what I look like, what I feel like. I reconnect with how it feels like to be me rather than what the other person thinks of me or wants me to be. I find my way back to myself and I realize I don't even need a mirror because I know and love who I am from inside and out. Now I have the courage to look into my eyes inside the mirror one more time again. And I love what I see. I see beauty. I see strength. I see courage. And even though it will take lots of time to rebuild myself, I know deep inside I can see my soul. And I'm loved. And I'm cared. And I'm worthy. Upon entering the room, the door slams loudly behind me. The room is dimly lit and empty. My eyes start to search for the exit door. I can't seem to find it. But I don't see any obstacles in the way. There is a sense of ease that you wouldn't expect in a house of horrors. I take that ease as a sign and start to move to the middle of the room. As I do, I start to hear whispers. It's hard to make out what they're saying, but they are very present. The sense of ease starts to dissipate, and the voices are getting louder and angrier. They're coming from all around and saying mean things, harsh criticisms and words of disappointment and shaming. They're loud. The sense of ease is gone. It's a fast change. I'm in the middle of the room now, and I'm surrounded by angry, yelling, persistent, unkind comments. I wish I never walked into the middle of the room. I can't see a way out, and the voices full stop. I'm in a panic. The aggression I'm surrounded with causes confusion and disorientation. I can't even remember that I'm in a room. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know I'm supposed to be looking for a way out. I'm consumed by the voices. I can't hear myself think. I can't find words. 
I'm in complete disarray, and I slump down to the ground, defeated. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to be stuck in a relationship with a partner who can't control their anger and is unkind to me during their haze of rage. I worry that I'm going to be lulled into a sense of safety in a relationship which is going to quickly change and escalate. This fear keeps me from getting closer to people. Any sign of anger feels like a precursor to explosion of aggression and mean behavior. I, I can't imagine a healthy, safe way to witness someone's anger or frustration. Back in the room, amidst the shouting and the hostility, I find a moment of clarity in a deep breath. I get back on my feet and search for words. The, the voices are loud, but I know that I just need to find my words and express myself. I, I say, stop. This is not acceptable. Please don't shout at me and don't be mean. I say, you can be angry. You can even be angry with me, but you can't be angry at me. I will hear you if you stop shouting at me. As I speak words clearly and firmly, the voices start to subdue. I can hear them now. I can make out what they're saying. I can hear a frustrated child, a tone of sadness, deep shame. The voices aren't hostile anymore. They become clearer and calmer. I find myself willing and able to listen and engage with them. It's not so scary anymore. I sit back on the ground and listen to the stories, the worries that are coming to me in my partner's voice. I feel closer to them. Eventually, the voice expresses remorse and gratitude. And I hear a click across from me as the door opens for me to get through. I enter a dark room and the door shuts behind me. I can see my partner across. I start to move towards her, but the floor is made of sand. The sand is making it difficult to walk. I finally reach the middle of the room. I see that there is a big trench. I almost fall in. I use the light on my phone to look down the trench, hoping that I can climb down, but the walls of the trench are covered in spikes. The only way I can get across is to fill it. All I see is a plastic spoon on the ground. I pick it up and use it to start scooping sand into the trench. As expected, it's not working very well. My partner is too far away to see what is going on, so she keeps calling out to me. I'm worried she is getting frustrated and that she's not going away from me and will leave me in this dark, sand-filled room. I'm ill-equipped. The spoon isn't working. She will leave because I don't have what it takes to meet her where she's at. It's not my fault. All I have is a spoon. I'm in my worst fear. I feel a sinking feeling in my stomach. I feel good about myself on my own. I'm whole and enough. But when I'm in a relationship, I fear that what makes me feel enough is not what my partner needs to feel satisfied. And she will want something that I can't provide. That the love we share is conditional. I'm about to give up and let her go and just let myself sink into the sand. Through tears and with a spoon in my hand, I muster up the courage to yell at her and say, I don't have the right tools to fill the gap between us. She leaves. 
It's me, my spoon, and this dark sand-filled room. I curse at the spoon and fling it aside. I feel so defeated. But moments later, she comes back with buckets and shovels that she has collected over time from other people in her life. We both start working together to move the sand to the bottom of the trench. Finally, it's filled enough that I am able to make it across to the other side. We hug and kiss, and I remember that I don't need to be the only resource to meet my partner's needs. I don't have to be her everything, and I don't need to be in competition with other people in her life because they provide different things that I can. I am lovable, just as I am, and our connection and what I provide to her and the relationship is unique. As we exit the room, I look and I see the spoon on the ground. I walk back to pick it up and I put it in my pocket. My partner sees this and says, that spoon's useless, why do you even want it? I say, just because it wasn't useful now doesn't mean that it won't be useful later. House of Horrors, fear of financial dependence. As I step into the room, the floor falls from underneath me. I find myself sinking into a quicksand made of mud. Very quickly, I'm stuck halfway in. I realize I can't get out of this mess alone. I'm going to drown. I panic and look for how I can survive. Then I see my partner above on a scaffold, reaching a hand down at me. I grasp it in desperation. Her hand is the only thing stopping me from sinking deeper into the pit. I feel trapped. Voices in my head tell me to release her hand, as it will be impossible to ever stand up or speak for myself if she's the only way I don't drown. But I can feel the sinking money pit pulling me down and I don't want to drown. My heart sinks, thinking I might not be able to take care of our future family. I'm filled with fear. What if someday she decides I'm not enough and let go of my hand? What if I have to conform or comply or abandon who I am so she doesn't let go of my hand? The thought leaves me imagining a lonely world with nothing and no one by my side, without a sense of who I am. I begin to feel angry towards her as if she's already abandoning me or forcing me to abandon myself. Her hand feels like a trap rather than a support. I take a deep breath and calm myself. This change allows me to shift the way I think about my partner. I'm reminded of how much I love her. I choose to believe she's here to support me and that we are a team. With her support, I pull myself up and out of the money pit. I feel stable with my feet on solid ground. She gently lets go of my hand. I feel separate from her long enough to feel myself fully and see her fully. Side by side, eye to eye, on equal footing. As we exit the room, hand in hand, once again, I understand better. Our relationship is about supporting each other not controlling. I walk into a room that looks exactly like my house. 
I step inside and I see my wife on the other end of the house and I call out to her. It looks like she looks at me, but then she just turns and leaves. And as I start to walk towards her, I almost bump into the coffee table, but instead I just walk right through it. I realize as I feel around that the furniture and everything around the house is a hologram. I can see it, but I can't touch it because it's, it's not really there. I dash across the room and I run to the back door where my wife exited and I call out to her, but as I reach for the door, I discover that it too is just a hologram and there is nothing there for me to open. As I turn back around to look at the space, the room gets dark. The furniture and the things around the house begin to fade into darkness and then, almost as if they're projectors that are turned on around the room, I begin to see these soundless images and videos on the wall. I see an alternative life where my house is sold and all of our belongings are sent away. I see my daughter crying and hugging her friends and saying goodbye. I see my daughter and I going from place to place trying to find a place to stay. I see us begging on the streets for money and food. And I feel an overwhelming sense of dread. This is one of my worst fears that my wife will leave me, and as a result, my daughter and I will no longer have the life that we have all built together, and that all that we have created will disappear, and that my daughter and I will have to leave the neighborhood that we love, and somehow we will run out of money and resources and have to beg, borrow, and steal in order to survive. I feel immediate heartbreak and terror at the idea of that loss. So, I close my eyes real tight so I can no longer be exposed to those flashing images. I take a deep breath and I quiet my mind. And then I remember who the fuck I am. I open my eyes and I see images across the walls of me in a job that I love, co-hosting a podcast that I love. I see images of my daughter and I laughing and celebrating and dancing and a future that looks clear and bright and joyful and full. And I am reminded of my current success and the people and resources and support that are available to me. And the more that I remember who I am and I think about the future that I am able to create, light begins to re-enter the room. And I can see my furniture and the things around my house again. But this time, they're no longer holograms. I can reach out and feel and touch them because they are real. And I begin to feel the joy and reassurance that whether or not my relationship with my wife lasts forever or one day ends, that I will be okay, that we will be okay. And as I walk around the room, feeling a sense of relief, my wife comes back through the door and she sees me and I feel immediate elation and gratitude that I don't need her here in order to have this life. But she brings added value, delight, comfort and love into my life yay we did it everyone we made it oh my god that was scary scary well done creative (laughs) yes it's true and a little sad some of me is sad and scared and all the things yeah well done thank you for everyone who shared stories that was really wonderful
a massive thank you because here's the thing in making this episode we had the opportunity to work with people one-on-one to help them develop their stories their rooms in the house of horrors if you will and we really sort of came about this thinking we're going to make a really cool episode and we're going to get to connect with our listeners the thing is we got really interesting feedback everybody we work with told us that it was a transformative experience so we encourage you dear listener to try this for yourself and to help you do that, we came up with a framework so you can come up with your own room. And here, here's how it goes. So first of all, answer this question. What are you afraid of? Is it being abandoned, about losing yourself or being trapped in a relationship? So think about the things that we talked about at the top of this, this episode and write down what are you afraid of? What is that core fear for you? This will give you the theme for the room. Next, what is the scenario that illustrates that fear? right? Like my partner will meet someone else better than me and leave. My partner and children will need so much of me that I will lose myself, that non-monogamy is not an option and my, my partner is not interested in the sex that I want and I will never get sex again. Like what is that story that is feeding that fear? This will give you the context for the room. Next, I want you to imagine a physical experience that can describe or conjure up that fear, that specific fear for you. Think of it as a verb. So things like falling and sinking and walking on a tightrope, jumping from rock to rock over lava, being pulled in all the directions, shrinking, hanging off the sides of a cliff. Like just think of it as a physical manifestation of the feeling that you're experiencing. This will give you the movement in the room. That will also help the listeners to emphasize with your exact type of fear. Once you've done that, for the last piece, imagine what helps you feel better. Is it concentrating on all the unique things you bring to a relationship? Asking your partner for validation when you feel insecure? Is it creating guilt-free space to be your own, doing something that you enjoy? Think about the thing that is going to make you feel better. And this will help you formulate a way out of the room. And once you have all this down, sit down and imagine your room from beginning all the way to the end and let us know if it's as transformative as it has been for everybody else we worked with. We have included those questions and those prompts in our show notes. And of course, by all means, write your stories yourself. But we did find this exercise to be so powerful that we actually want to facilitate a workshop where we can support whoever wants to come up with their own rooms and find their way out. And if you are interested in doing that, the best way to set yourself up for that is to go to our Instagram at wearecuriousfoxes. If you're not following us, please do follow us. And then send us a DM that says House of Horrors. That's all you need to write, House of Horrors. And we will get back to you with details. So try it. And then also go to our Facebook group at We Are Curious Foxes and tell us about the experience or even share your story if you feel so inclined. You can jump on our Instagram. You can go onto our website at We Are Curious Foxes. And there on our website, you can find episodes and blog posts and resources on related topics all under the umbrella of love, sex and relationships. If you want some more of Effie and I, some more of our guests, then you got to go to Patreon. Again, at We Are Curious Foxes. There are going to be bonus cuts and mini episodes. And we have online workshops for when we were in person and doing online workshops. All of those things, over 50 different workshops are there and available to you on Patreon. 
And we would love for you to share this episode with somebody. Send it to them for Halloween. Send it to them if you think that they would enjoy being a part of the workshop. Please send this, save this, star this, rate this, comment on this, do all of the things that are possible. It really does mean a lot to us. It'll take you a few minutes, but it's important for us and it's important for the podcast algorithm to decide whether or not it's going to recommend our show to others. And finally, if you have questions, if you have a story that you want to share, if you want to just let us know what this episode has meant for you or what creative ideas that you came up with, then send us an email or a voice memo to listening at wearecuriousfoxes.com. This episode is produced by Effie Blue and Jacqueline Misler with help from Yamor Arkishi. Our editor is Nina Pollock, who turns the process of creating a weekly podcast from fright into delight. Our intro music is composed by Dev Saha. We are so grateful for their work and we're grateful to you for listening. As always, stay curious, friends. Curious Fox podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic. We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story. We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind and we'll look forward to your feedback. Stay curious, friends. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious.